Hey there, neighbor. Welcome to Good Life News, a weekly podcast where we talk about ideas, living the abundant Christian life, and God's wonderful, wonderful love. I'm your host, Pastor Lauren Fenton, an old farm kid, Bible student, preacher of grace, husband of one, father of two, papa for five, and really just another pilgrim headed for home. I'm so glad you've clicked in to join me on this journey today. Let's walk together for a few minutes and see what we can discover on the way to the kingdom. Are you ready? Let's go! Greetings once again, friends. This is episode 27 of the podcast. The title of this week's episode is Living for Jesus. Today's episode is part four of the six-part series, Studies in Romans, Saved by Grace, Powered by Love. Last week, We explored the Apostle Paul's teaching on God as the master bridge builder, spanning the gap between fallen man and himself. We also saw how we as believers are also called to build bridges of healthy relationships with others so we can bring unsaved people to Jesus. Today, we'll move into the next few chapters where Paul talks about living the Christian life as witnesses to the grace of God. In summary for our series to this point, here are a few notes. First, all human beings are sinners, but they are justified fully by God's amazing grace. Justification, that is righteousness, is accounted to all who believe and receive God's gift of new life in Christ. Love builds bridges. Jesus is our bridge to God the Father. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God the Father made Christ who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. By accepting God's gift of righteousness by faith, we are born again into God's family. We become citizens of his heavenly kingdom and are commissioned as ambassadors for his kingdom of love and grace. So with those basic truths in mind, let's dive a little deeper into how all this works. To fulfill our incredible role as ambassadors, God's witnesses, we must draw wisdom and power and courage from his abiding presence in our very lives, empowering us to serve and accomplish his purposes, the purposes he ordains. Let's consider the idea of a resident God. In the drama of the biblical exodus, as God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai, the Lord tells him, Let them, that is the Israelites, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Exodus 25 verse 8. Let's stop for a minute and think about the enormity of that instruction. Here we have Yahweh the great God of all creation, instructing human beings to prepare a tent home for him because he wants to live next door. Incredible! The maker and ruler of the entire universe says he wants to camp right in the middle of all the tents in the Israelite campsite. He gives specific instructions for the materials to be used, dimensions, visiting hours, and priestly responsibility. There are specific and rigid requirements for the neighborhood, like cleanliness, order, and so forth. But the message is clear. 
God wants to be near his chosen people, and the best way to do that in this moment is to live in a tent with them in their city of tents. Fast forward a few hundred years. The wilderness tabernacle still serves as the meeting place between God and Israel. But as with all material things, the 400-year-old tent is looking pretty tattered, simply because it's been around for a long, long time. And King David gets an idea. Build a permanent temple as God's house. Of course, as we read Old Testament history, we know that it was David's son, King Solomon, who was able to fulfill his father's dream. The scenes describing the dedication of Solomon's temple, as it became known, in 1 Kings chapter 8, tell of God's entrance into the holy place. I'm quoting now from 1 Kings 8, 10, and 11. And it came to pass, when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So now, instead of a tent home, the Lord has a permanent house here on earth in which to live among his people. What a, an amazing, incredible picture that is, if we can just get our head around what happened there. Sadly, over the next few centuries, the people fell into apostasy, and Yahweh abandoned the Jerusalem temple. He allowed the pagan Babylonians to attack and destroy the city, including the temple, and remove most of the population away from their promised land and march them off to Babylon. In God's providence, however, Jerusalem eventually was rebuilt and another temple constructed. And once again, the resident God graciously recognized the heart's desire of those who built it out of their love, dedication, and sacrifice. It wasn't as ornate or physically more glorious than Solomon's temple, but God promised this second temple would be more blessed than the first. That promise was fulfilled in the person of Jesus, who walked in this temple and ministered in its precincts. But, in fact, as we look at Jesus, we discover that God is moving ever closer to us. John writes, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. Jesus of Nazareth was, in fact, the Word, the second person of the Godhead in human flesh. Now, instead of merely living in a tent next door, or in a temple built with hands, the I Am has moved into Adam's flesh and blood. He has become one of us, not just a divine neighbor, but an actual member of our race. That's incredible. But wait, there's more. In Romans 8 verse 9, Paul indicates that the Spirit of God, quoting here, dwells in you, end quote. The resident God takes up residence by the presence of the Holy Spirit in the heart of every believer. When writing to the Colossian church, Paul also speaks of, quote, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians one twenty seven. 
Thus, we can witness the progression of God's residence with Adam's race, from the wilderness tabernacle to the temples in Jerusalem, to the person of Jesus present among us, and to the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in the heart of every believer. Because of this, Paul accurately describes our bodies as temples in his first letter to the Corinthian church. He writes, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is 1 Corinthians six, nineteen and 20. From this teaching, then, by Paul, we can understand a rather obvious truth. Listen carefully now. The purpose of a temple is to glorify the deity that dwells within. I'm going to repeat that. The purpose of a temple is to glorify the deity that dwells within. Peter elaborates on this metaphor in his first epistle. He says, quoting, You, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2.5. I really like the way this verse is rendered in the New Living Translation. He says, You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, end quote. 1 Peter 2.5, and again, like I said, it's from the New Living Translation. The spiritual sacrifices Peter's talking about here is the testimony or the record of our life as followers of Jesus. Going back to Romans, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For in it, the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, Romans 1, 16-17. Let's break down what Paul means. The just shall live by faith. Well, who are these people that he's speaking of, the just? They are all who believe and receive God's promise. Then he says, the just shall live by faith. Paul's message here is that believers will live proactively engaged with the world around them versus reactively. They will touch the lives of others with God's love whenever possible instead of allowing the world to control their thoughts and words and actions. And then finally, this phrase says, the just shall live by faith. Well, faith is an integral part of life. You cannot not have faith, but it's where you place your faith that determines your life. So now let's talk some more about living for Jesus by faith. Paul has a lot to say about this in chapters 6 through 8 in the book of Romans. Verse 8, he says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, Death no longer has dominion over him. And then down a few more verses, in verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, 
and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And then fast-forwarding a couple of chapters to chapter 8, verse 1, he writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Dropping down to verse 11 in chapter 8. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he finishes up this section with his wonderful, wonderful statement. Verse 38, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The words of an old hymn seem to fit perfectly as we near the close of today's episode. This hymn is called Living for Jesus. I haven't found it in any recent hymn books, but I looked it up on the internet, and here's the first verse and the chorus. And I often sing this as I'm just driving down the road or taking a shower or just going about life. Living for Jesus a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee, for thou in thine atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master. My heart shall be thy throne. My life I give, henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I do pray that you have been blessed. And I hope you can join me for next week's episode. I'll share part five of this special six-part series on the Book of Romans. And next week's title is Living Sacrifices. In that study, We'll explore Paul's teaching in Romans 12.1 where he writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Well, be sure to tune in and invite somebody to listen with you. Or you can send them the link for the blog post or the podcast and invite them to listen at their convenience. So we've come to the end of this episode of the Good Life News Podcast. If you would like to comment or join a conversation about today's content, please visit our website at www.goodlifenews.life. I'd love to hear your thoughts and observations. On the website's blog page, you can also find a complete transcript of the most recent episode, which will always be posted at the top of the page. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and 
other podcast platforms. If you'd like to help out in this ministry, it's incredibly helpful if you'd leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week as we continue our journey exploring more about God's love, His amazing grace, and the incredible good news of the everlasting gospel. Until then, walk in peace, live in hope, and hold your treasures with open hands.